Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Good Friday morning to you, 10 minutes after 9 o'clock. So fun giving away prizes. Uh, I think it's like 11, 12 days in a row I've been able to give away this little prize package. Steve Smith was the winner today. We'll get that package to him. But uh, it is Friday, Open Line Friday. Now uh, we, uh, as to become tradition now, Seth is on the line. We'll be uh, starting with him here on Open Line Friday. Something a little different today as well as... Uh, Allie Hamlin is the, the new producer here of the show. Allie, you doing all right? Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> so uh, my, it was this kind of popularized in the, in the television show, Frasier. Frasier had his mm-hmm. uh, daily call-in show, and Roz Doyle was his producer. And very similar to that in that uh, Allie is in the next studio over. Mm-hmm. We can see each other, but uh, there's some sealed doors and things. But uh, Yeah, we're, she's in a vault. No, there's some <laughs> sealed doors between us, but... Uh, Allie will be, basically, she will be fielding all the calls. She'll mm-hmm. get your name and uh, your topic, and uh, and then she'll put you on hold, and I'll be able to then take the, the call. She'll have, well, right now we're going to we're gonna communicate, I guess, by text. So you're going to text me yeah. who's on what line and what their topic is. There's yep. probably a better way. Mm-hmm. We'll, 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 work, we'll work on that. But yeah. uh, for now, we're going to use, uh, use texting. So Yeah. Keep the topics short, by the way. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the voice you hear first uh, when you call in now will not be me. It will be mm-hmm. Allie, and you will not be on the air right away. But you will be. Uh, you know, you'll be. You'll talk to her. So uh, it, it's an experiment. I think it's going it, to. Yeah. This is the way radio is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Most call-in shows do have a producer. Uh, so uh, Allie, uh, fingers crossed. I know we're probably going to have some hiccups this first yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, be be kind to Allie. She's a nice girl. Oh, thanks, okay. Andy. Nobody be, nobody be mean to Allie. Yeah. If you want to be, be mean, be mean to me. <laughs> okay. I I'm can nice. take it. I'm a big boy. So, <laughs> not that you can't take it, but she's she's a very nice girl. Thank so. you. All right. Let's start things off on this Friday with Seth Stinson and Seth's Corner. Seth, how you doing today, man? I'd like to change that corner thing to perspective. Seth's perspective. That's hard to say, though, Seth. Can we do something uh, I know, hard? but I copied it from Brian High. <laughs> How about Seth's angle? I like angle. <laughs> Seth's angle. Oh, oh, okay, uh, because it's too hard to say. And I, the hiccup was I didn't get a chance to talk to Allie. I know. I stole it. She actually came in uh, while we were playing this last commercial break. And she says, did you pick up that phone line? I was like, well, yeah, it's a hard habits are hard to break. <laughs> habits are hard to break. I'm used to answering Seth. And so. I'll be especially nice to Allie. Oh, good. I appreciate that. Okay. Um, uh, I'm going to get right into it because time is limited. And 60 years ago, this last May, on the 25th of May, um, I went down to the train station and uh, enlisted in the United States Army. Yeah. Thank you mm-hmm. for doing that. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it, uh, I often wonder if I should have continued. I took the oath of office to defend our country and our Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. I served six years. My specialty was chemical nuke and biological warfare. Wow. And... Uh, I served at Fort Knox, Kentucky. They didn't let me handle the gold. No gold, darn it. Yeah, no gold. They wouldn't let me. I tried. I walked up on it on a Sunday, and a board said, halt, who goes there? Yeah. Right. But there's no fences, <laughs> and, and I served at Fort McClellan, Alabama, for the advanced chemical and biological warfare stuff. My first duty assignment was Dugway Proving Grounds in Utah. Yeah. And the most desolate place I've ever seen in my life, okay, really? from 
from the rolling hills of Pennsylvania to the uh, dry, bone-dry desert, Fort Greeley, Alaska for 18 months, Camp Century, Greenland, under the ice pack. And during that time, I was doing a really dangerous kind of work, and if you divided my monthly salary out by 24 hours a day because I was on call, that averaged out to 14 cents an hour. That's, that's actually comparable to my salary here at Cherry Creek. <laughs> uh, uh, that sounds like Mike McGarry. He would say the same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the oath I took to serve my country and defend my con- the Constitution never was rescinded. Ooh, really? You all, no, they don't. So nobody uh, said you're, you're good you now? You're back. free? Nobody, nobody, nobody let you off the hook then? No. And so I continue that this day, and that's what this call is about. Um, we get a chance on, on the radio to talk to all of these politicians. Yeah. And they take exactly the same oath. And when you ask them, well, gee, is what you're doing um, in the Constitution you're sworn to defend? And their, and so, an, their answer is usually something like, well, this is a little different than that, right? Isn't that usually what they say? No, they, uh, they give me the history of the uh, how education was created in this country <laughs> and talk for a couple hours and filibuster, but they never say, gee, I think I better resign today nope. because I have for the last five, six, 27 years, I've been violating my sacred oath. No, I've never heard one of them do that. No, and I don't think we will. Uh, And it it just, uh, uh, the bottom line is uh, uh, people in politics take the oath and they profit and violate the oath with immunity. There's no accountability. Hmm. It's not about the Constitution. It's what's best for their bottom line. And for their power and their control and their prestige. So, so the only thing I would say so far, Seth, and to what you're saying, I agree with a lot of what you say. But your blanket covering all of them, I don't, I don't believe all politicians feel that way. How about you might believe that all of them are violating their oath? All of them? Mm. I have yet to seen one. Uh, almost the first moment, I, I'm watching the uh, president-elect talk about what he's going to do in uh, in the first three minutes he's there he's violating his oath yeah and yet he continues for four years yeah. there's no teeth there's no accountability on on what it is he's doing um and uh like here in the county the biggest employer the biggest expenses in the school district yeah Okay, and and uh, lawyers are really good at answering the question you didn't ask. <laughs> I wasn't looking for the history of education. <laughs> the, y- y- your children should be educated by, and supervised by you. But then, if we really want to get off into the weeds, you've given up the right to do that because they're coming out on Fox News talking about how states owned the children in that state. Yeah, not only given up the right, endorsed the right to... to right. Yeah. And we, we need this full-time babysitter so that mom, instead of being in her role that she may choose or not choose, 
do the most important job in the entire universe, raising our children. Right. Oh, no, she's going to go to work, and she's going to do whatever it is she selects, but she's going to give up that really important function to get a few more bucks to pay almost 70% of our salary in taxes. All right, Seth, so we're, we're getting to the end of your time. Can you, what, what, you pointed out a very interesting uh, problem. What about a solution? Because you know me, I like to, all right, if we're going to complain, let's, let's offer a solution. All right. When I'm talking to these guys, do allow me to ask questions and prevent the filibuster. <laughs> I went to school the other day to learn about uh, the, the uh, little house on the prairie instead of saying, you know, I really, uh, this, me violating my oath should be a felony. Maybe you serve one term in um, in elected office and you serve the next one in prison. Ooh, ouch. Uh, I, I, I mean, either it means something. It means something to me. Uh-huh. And I've heard the mayor say, oh, yes, I take my oath seriously, but my campaign slogan is, I'd like to listen and then do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. 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 So uh, we need to be able to find a way. Um, you turned my microphone off, of course, and so I can't uh, say, whoa, Terry, well, well, well uh, I don't need to know about how it happened. I just need to know it's not there. I I thought I left your microphone for a while on. But <laughs> no, the, uh, I was saying, whoa, Terry, whoa, Terry, and, of course, <laughs> nobody heard that. All right. Well, I'm going to turn your microphone off now because we've got to move on. But thank you for calling in today, Seth. (laughs) Good to talk to you. Thank you, sir. 920 on KDX. Again, we are trying now to uh, have Allie, uh, a new producer for the program, to help us uh, sort through things. You know, one thing that Fraser used to do when he would get a caller, instead of relying on this, a text or whatever, he would say, Roz, who do we have on the line now? So maybe we'll try that. Allie, who do we have on the line now? We have Richard on line two. Okay, and what's the topic? He wants to talk about people that want to impeach Sean Reyes. Oh, ooh, good topic today. Yeah. All right, uh, Richard, you're on. What's going on, man? Well, that kind of lit me up a little bit when I heard about it. Yeah, me too. I believe, like the last caller, that he took an oath of office to, on the Constitution and with a lot of these states that shut down the voting and all that stuff kind of broke the Constitution. But anyway, this group, I find it very interesting that are going after him, that want to impeach him because he's supposed to sit on the board, which watches the elections and all this stuff, right? Right. Okay, and who is the number one guy in charge of the elections? For the state of Utah? In the state of Utah. That would be the Attorney General, wouldn't it? What's wasn't that? that the lieutenant governor? Uh, I, I his name was Mr. Cox. Yeah, yeah, Spencer Cox. Certainly the buck falls with him. He was running, though, so he wouldn't be in charge of the elections in this case. Well, he always has been in the past, mm-hmm. and his underlings, I guess, took over. But how come he's not named in that election also? Because you look up on the state charter, he's the man in charge of the state elections. And if you have questions, you go to his website. And his name is still on it. Hmm, interesting. 
I, you know, and, and he came out. He was one of those, as soon as uh, Reyes joined the uh, suit with the other states, Lieutenant Governor Cox, or Governor-elect Cox, and, and Governor Herbert were the first ones to make a public statement saying, we don't agree and we don't think Reyes should have done that. And so that, to me, was uh, that, that surprised me, Richard. And the other thing, too, and maybe I can get your thoughts on this, uh, is that, you know, what was the motivation behind them saying we don't agree with this? Uh, is there motivation that they're trying to get in good with the new president, perhaps, if Biden, in fact, does become president? But what was the motivation behind them deciding to do that? Well, if you go down to the first time Mr. Trump was elected, mm-hmm. Cox and our governor aren't fans of his. And I don't know if they've ever changed their mind. But, yeah, I think they're kissing butt to the Democrats because when the state wants that $4.5 billion we get from the feds or whatever it is, it's close to that. There's a guy who knows exactly how much that is. You know, there's always strings attached. So, yeah, we're Republicans, but we want to be your buddies when you're in charge, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. sad. Yeah, my, my son, my son actually, uh, my son is very, very pro-Trump, loves President Trump. Uh, I do too, but I'm not as jealous about it as he is. But when when they when Cox and Herbert made their statement about it, uh, he sent me a link to this article, and then he sent me a, a, his own personal feeling. It was stupid rhinos, is what he wrote. So, well, I, I, that's what I'm afraid we got. Yeah. We got a senator like that. Looks like we got another governor like that. So, good luck, Utah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you, Bye. thank you, Richard. Open line Friday six seven three five eight nine zero is the phone number again if you call in we've got our our phone lines all fixed and everything seems to be good to go here we've got our fingers crossed that as we now have a producer of the show Allie's going to be here answering phones that uh, everything will go off relatively without a hitch so far so good Allie no no big hiccups right right so far so, so good she's so sweet sounding I don't know how you could be <laughs> mean to her anyway so uh, anyway six seven three five eight nine zero is the phone number I want to talk a little bit today about trust, and maybe this will get your juices flowing and motivate you to want to call into the show. But uh, I, I was I was reading a study about the trust. Do you trust the American government? And somebody has collected data on a question of that question or a question similar to it since the 1940s, and uh, the numbers, as you might imagine, have have dwindled. In the 1940s, this is right after World War II. Uh, when the U.S. helped to go in and win the war, D-Day, you know, V.J. Day, all, all those things, the the trust of the American government was up near 90%. You ask the average citizen in the United States of America, do you trust the federal government? Well, I, I shouldn't say the trust. The trust that the federal government will do the right thing was up near 90%. Uh, in the 50s, it was in the 80s. 60s, 70s, 80s, it started dwindling down. So when you got to the 50, or to the 80s, when I was a teenager, the early 80s, the trust was uh, just below 50%. Do you trust the American government to do the right thing? But still, a pretty, pretty good percentage, about half of Americans trusted the U.S. government to do the right thing. 90s, slight dwindling, went from uh, uh, you know, high 40s to low 40s. Uh, the Number today, I'm going to skip forward to 2020, and right now, according to the most recent poll out, 20% of Americans trust the federal government to do the right thing. That's one in five trust the federal government to do the right thing. And I'm going to apply this to my personal life. When I was a kid, when I was, you know, 
under the age of 12. Yeah, I trusted. I, I thought the government was the good guy. I thought everyone that is associated with the government was a good guy. And their whole goal was to make America great, to, to make sure that, you know, the, the things that we held valuable to us, things like, you know, uh, our religion and uh, the ability to pursue the American dream, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Uh, when I was under the age of 12, this would have been in the 70s, uh, I was I was 100% confident that the U.S. government was had my best interest at heart. When I became a teenager, you know, 13 to 18, early 80s, <clears throat> I was... I was not cynical, but I was like, well, you know, the government's going to do what it needs to to make some money for the people that run it. And they probably, because it's been profitable, they'll keep doing what's right for America because it's, you know, financially expedient to them. It's important. And so even though I maybe didn't trust the government much less than I did when I was a kid, I, it was still there because I figured that the reasons maybe were different, but I still felt like the government was trying to do the right thing by me. As I got into my 20s and 30s, and we're talking about the 90s and 2000s, uh, uh, early 2000s, I was, uh, I was caught up in raising kids. I was caught up in uh, developing my career. And so at that point, I was kind of like, well, you know, the government has is, is, is got its own thing going. And I, most of those guys that run for office, are, it's about money. You know, they, they want money and power. Those are the two motivators, right? And so I was like, eh, you know, whatever. As long as, as long as it turns out that they're still kind of looking out for the little guy, which uh, that was starting to erode. But uh, I was like the national polls. I was, it was starting to erode for me. I was below 50% in my thought that the government was going to try to do the right thing. And then the 2010s came, the last decade or so, and especially the last couple of years. Uh, well, one guy came along. His name was Donald Trump. And this is not a, hey, praise Trump show, but I will tell you this. Donald Trump, I think, paralleled these polls uh, through the decades. And, and he saw the fact that people's trust in the government to do the right thing was eroding. It was going away. It, he, there was no... Uh, there was almost no pride in, in America. And maybe you've seen the clip on, on YouTube or whatever about the guys is uh, someone they're, they're, they've got some kind of panel. Uh, it's a movie. I don't even know the name of the movie, but one of the students in the panel asked, asked the, or one of the students in the audience asked the panel said, why is America the greatest country in the world? It seemed like a softball question. And the guy uh, played by, I think it was Bill Pullman or Bill Paxman, one of those guys anyway, uh, gets on and he says, America is not the greatest country in the world. And he cites about a whole list of statistics of where we have fallen behind. And, and so I'm sure Donald Trump saw that. I know I saw that. I know I think most Americans saw or felt something like that, that America, as great as it is, was starting to not be the greatest country in the world anymore. And so what, what happened is Donald Trump saw that, and Donald Trump said, well, wait a minute. I remember, and he's older than me quite a bit. He's you know, eight, about 18, 20 years older than I am. Uh, he remembered when, you know, in the, in the 50s and 60s, 40s and 50s, America was thought of, was trusted by the people. And America did do the right thing, not only by its citizens, by, but by the world. And so um, 
it, you know, to me, it was like, all right, now we got a guy back in office who saw where we were, but saw where we are. And he said, I got to try to get us back to where we were. And he did that. He did everything in his power to try to do that. The problem is, it seems like about half of the people didn't want to go back there, including some relatives of mine. They're like, no, America's, America wasn't great. Even though they weren't alive when it was considered a great, you know, the 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s even, uh, I had, there are people who said, ah, it wasn't great. It was never that great. We had chauvinism, we had sexism, and we had child abuse. It just wasn't reported. And so they didn't want to go back to the way it was. And I, I don't believe that stuff was real, but I do believe that uh, they believed it was real. What's that, that uh, George Costanza thing? If you believe it, it's not a lie. That's kind of where we're at with some of these liberals. If they believe it, it's not a lie, and they believe it. And so that's why Donald Trump has had a hard time getting some of these people on board. He wanted to go back to when America was great, but they believed, even though they weren't alive, they believed America never was that great. And uh, that's, that's pretty frustrating. So I would ask you today, I've got to get a weather break in, and then we'll get to the phone calls. Uh, but I believe that uh, uh, President Trump did everything he could to get America to be great again. Unfortunately, the trust that the government will do the right thing without President Trump, it, to me, it's down below 10%. If, if Donald Trump isn't the president, I don't think America has its people's best interest in, in mind at all, not even a little bit. Welcome back to the program. Open line Friday. It's 935. Let's go right to the phone lines. Lance is with us this morning. Lance, good morning. Good morning, Andy. How are you doing today? You got, the, got, got the sunshine in your window? I do. It's a great Friday. Absolutely. Hey, uh, I like the new setup, by the way. Yeah. Well, we get so, to, you get so to hear a pleasant uh, alley before you have to talk to me, so that's always good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, the other day you had an interesting discussion going on on why uh, younger voters or, or kids prefer socialism yeah. over capitalism. And uh, the best answer I have seen to that uh, was uh, – a YouTube clip from Mr. Wonderful off Shark Tank. He's about as capitalist as you get. Mm-hmm. Kevin O'Leary. Kevin O'Leary, yep. And in that, he explains that when we're when kids start out, they start out in a socialism environment. Sure, absolutely. Because we they, have to provide you know, for their needs because hey, they I can. want dinner. This is what I want. Yeah. Mom and dad prepare it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I want a cell phone. Mom and dad go down and get a cell phone and the kid picks, well, I want a red one and I want it to be a Samsung or whatever. Yeah. And that's their experience. Hey, I asked for what I want. I get what I want. True. And then he says there's in that there's kind of a natural transgress, uh, natural transition to when they get older and they get their first job and they go, Oh yeah, we'll hire you on at 10 bucks an hour. Then they get their first paycheck and go, wait a second, this isn't $10 an hour. This is like $6 an hour. <laughs> and then they start figuring out that, well, yeah, that's going to the government. So they can take your money and decide what they want to do with it. And I think the big disconnect is in socialism is when the government takes over you and says everybody needs to have a cell phone because it's communication, they don't necessarily say, put your, ask for your input you want an apple do you want a samsung do you want red they say here is what you're going to get yeah 
And I think that's, you know, as far as food, here is what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the public figures out, hey, this isn't as great as we thought it was going to be. Right. I've lost my say in everything. Anyway, to add that to your conversation you had going the other day. I appreciate that. It's a great perspective, Lance. Thank you. You bet. Bye. And I, as he as he laid that out, I'm like, he's exactly right. And if you think about it, so I got I have a couple of new grandbabies. Don't try not to talk about them on the air because I'll just sit there and brag like a proud grandpa. But uh, a couple of new grandbabies, and of course they're helpless. They're six months old. They cannot prepare their own food. They cannot, you know, make money. They cannot communicate at this point. They can only cry for the, for the most part. Uh, so that is, I mean, if you want to go loose definition, that is a socialist state, right? As they get a little bit older, uh, as he pointed out, there are opportunities where they uh, can continue in this socialist state. And unfortunately, I think, and someone may yell at me about this, but I think a lot of parents contribute to that. As he said, kid says, I want a cell phone. If, if your kid's eight years old and say, I want a cell phone, and you buy him a cell phone, you're the problem, not them. The kid's been used to a socialist state, and he needs to transition to a capitalist world, or he should anyway. And if you're giving them everything they want. Now, I understand the desire. I have five, I have five kids. Uh, four of the five are now adults. Uh, and, 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 yes, I understand the desire to get them what you didn't have. I always wanted, you know those little ride-on cars, the little electric cars you sit in them and you drive around in them? I had friends who had those things when I was a kid. I never had one of those. I wanted one so bad. Even before that, the uh, remote control race cars, you know, the little racetracks, you got the little, you hold the thing in your hand, and you say how fast you can go. But I remember the first time they came up with ones where you could change lanes so you didn't have to stay in the same lane. And I remember, you know, Steve had one, Mel had one, and, and Keith had one, but I didn't have one. And, I, boy, I made a stink about it. And, and my parents were like, well, you know, first of all, we don't have the money to afford that. And second of all, you don't get what you want every time you ask for it. That was a hard lesson, of course, for a 12-year-old or a 10-year-old or whatever. But it was still a lesson that I learned. And, and, and so, of course, when I got to be old enough and I got making money and I had kids that were that age, I wanted to get them that. I, went, oh, I, I couldn't get that for myself. Maybe I can get that for them. And, you know, and, and when they started to become... No, here's that word, entitled. When they started to become entitled and expect that kind of thing, that's when I had a little bit of a, a little bit of a, I don't know, a, a, what's that word I'm looking for, Allie? Read my mind, please. No? <laughs> an epiphany? Uh, epiphany. You did read my mind. Yes, way to go, Allison. I had a bit of an epiphany. I realized, hold on a minute. I want to give these kids things I didn't have, but I don't want them to expect those things. I don't want them to think that they deserve these things. Uh, you know, and, and so we set up a program. First of all, we didn't allow our kids to have cell phones until they were 16 with one notable exception. And I can talk about that later. Uh, we didn't, when they got a car, when it was time for them to get a vehicle, we bought a car for them. Yes, but we charged them a monthly payment for the car to help pay for the car, to help pay for the insurance, any repairs that might come up. And we also charged them when they did get old enough to have a cell phone, we charged them a monthly fee for their cell phones. We weren't trying to make money off of our kids. In fact, the money that we charged them was well below what those things actually cost, not even close. We were trying to teach them that nothing in life should be free. 
Nothing in life is free. The lesson we were trying to convey to our children, and I, I think most of them got it. Jury's still out on the teenager right now. But I think most of them got it uh, and realized that, you know what, if I want something, if I don't like the car my parents provided for me and I'm making a payment on, well, I got a couple of choices. I can complain and nothing's going to happen. Or I can do something about it. I can go out and get a job and get myself a better car. And a couple of my sons did that. They did, they liked the car they had, the vehicle we provided for them, but they wanted a better one. So they went out and got a job and worked and, and worked hard. And when, you know, when it got to the point where they saved up enough money, they went out and bought a car. Not on credit. They bought a car with the actual money that they had earned. That was the lesson I was trying to convey to my kids. And, and uh, you know, the caller, uh, Lance, uh, there made a, made a great point is in, in that, you know, we provide a, a great learning atmosphere for our kids. And it's not just, hey, I'm going to teach you, uh, you know, how, how to, you know, work on an engine or I'm going to teach you how to throw a football or whatever. It's a lesson about life and about government and about what to believe beyond religion. I'm talking about what to believe in life. And if we're not teaching our kids that hard work is rewarded and that laziness is penalized, uh, the government is going to teach them the opposite. They're going to teach them that laziness is rewarded and hard work is penalized. Is that what we want? It's not what I want. Open line Friday, 673-5890. I'd love to hear from you today if you want to call in. Again, we have a producer. I hope you're not scared to, to talk to Allie. I think maybe they're a little bit shy because uh, <laughs> they're used to getting right on the air with me, and yeah. now they have to they have to go through you first. But I'm so nice. You're the gatekeeper, though. So, yeah. You have the key. I do. <laughs> but i'm nice so Allison don't be scared is, of me is very nice ali uh, again thanks for coming on and being our producer it's our first time yeah. now one thing I, I probably should mention to everyone is when i have guests on uh until covid19 is resolved and i can actually have a guest in my studio we probably won't bring allison in uh be, because um they need to be where she is right now uh but once once COVID is resolved or somewhat resolved and people can actually come in my studio and be with me in here, we'll keep Allison over there uh, screening calls and, and uh, producing the uh, program. And uh, that's, to me, that's pretty exciting. I, it's been the first time I've had uh, someone that could do that for me. Uh, it took a, a little bit of a progression with our phone lines to get that done. And, uh, and we're there now. So, um, 9.45, got a call, or what we'll do is we'll take a short break, one-minute break, and when we come back, we will uh, talk with our caller. Allison has talked with him on the phone. It's pretty cool stuff. And uh, we'll be back real quick. Joe Shoney is a local loan consultant serving southern Utah for more than two and a half decades. Joe Shoney realized early on that people, the average person doesn't know a ton about getting a loan, and so he's kind of taken it upon himself to make sure that you understand what having a loan means and that you get a daily update on exactly what's going on with your loans. His name is Joe Shoney online phenomenal 4.91 out of five stars with 489 reviews online, including this one from Cindy. Cindy said they worked hard and tirelessly for my client, got it done in record time. Uh, this is uh, just, Oh, these put, Oh, is the first initial uh, Joe went to work for us immediately to help us close as soon as possible. So we could move directly into our new home. Joe Shoney, five stars, phenomenal record online. Give him a call. He'll put that customer service to work for you. 435-590-6300. Back in 60 seconds. 
Welcome back to the program. Phone line's starting to heat up now. Appreciate that. Let's go right to the phones on Open Line Friday. This is Len. Len, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm all right. Thank you for calling yeah, in. Just a little addition to what you were talking about. I heard an interview with Warren Buffett's son the other day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he said that his father's uh, philosophy is that he wants to leave each of his sons enough money so that he can do anything that they want but not enough money so they can do nothing. Ah, nice. Pretty cool. Yeah, good good line there. I love it. Yeah, me too. Me too. That's all I had, man. I mean, okay. I could go on for hours, but yeah. you don't want that. Okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to leave my kids with enough money to do what they want, but not enough that they can do nothing. You know, I, I, I uh, and we'll go back to the phone lines here in a second. And some of you may not like this, but... Uh, have you noticed that most rich kids have some pro- some big time problems, drug problems, or, or whatever it is? Kids that were, were raised with a silver spoon. Now they, it seems like they eventually come out of it. But uh, you know, a guy by the name of Hunter Biden might might uh, might uh, take offense to that as well. All right, let's go to uh, line two with Chris. Chris, how are you today? Happy Friday to you. Yeah, happy Friday to you. What's on your mind? Well, the first 40 years of childhood are the hardest. <laughs> Wait, I, I, don't, I don't think it ends at 40 because I'm 54 and I'm still a kid. Yeah, me too. It's my birthday today. That's why I said that. Um, I have a lot of rhetorical questions mm-hmm. because obviously we, we, we're, we're living in an age where everything's so censored. So I'd start off with a question for people. What planet were they born on? Well, uh, Earth, right? uh, Well, it's funny you say that. I, I too, uh, was also born here on Earth. Really? Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, So what, again, I'm not going to assume, but for whatever planet other people were born on, uh, what atmosphere and oxygen were you supposed to breathe? Because here on Earth, you go outside, and I think that was the air we were meant to breathe. It's just a kind of a thought. I know it's obvious, but yeah. sometimes pointing out the obvious is thought-provoking. Um, obviously, uh, big tech is uh, taking over. Uh, I've been thinking a lot this year about how, if you know, if we were to be attacked, Let's say countries were to unite and try and maybe I, I thought, you know, that's not going to happen. Right. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm just saying what I think is more likely to happen is division and infighting here in the country. It's a better way to take down a country that's successful is to have it already, yeah. you know, embroiled in its own interfighting and. Yeah, well, that way the other countries can make moves. They can make their own things because I think that's what's happening. We're having oh, you see the news and you, you see it just seems like the divide is getting greater and greater, and um, it seems like it's planned a little bit. Yeah, it feels, um, feels like it. Did you say it's your birthday today, by the way? Uh, today it is. Hey, today. congratulations! Tomorrow, happy, but, happy birthday to you. Yeah, I've I've, I've survived. <laughs> I did it. I did it a day at a time. And is it the big four zero? Uh, kind of is. Oh, close it kind to of it. Is. Okay. Well, hey, happy birthday well, to you. It, it is. It, it is. But is it? <laughs> like I said, it, well, it the 40 is the, 40 is the new 30, right? Well, uh, 
two, I have some pretty good genes, so I'm not bragging here. I, I will admit I, I get it. I don't look it. I'm grateful, and I don't feel it. Yeah, well, yeah. So. Have, have any gray hairs yet? That I do have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, me, me just, too. The, the, the kind of this, the, uh, I don't know. I don't know who's got that. You know, right where uh, kind of above the ears, just a little bit there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where mine so, started uh, too. I got to run. Thank you for the call and happy birthday to you. That's uh, let's go to line uh, one with Jan. Jan, how are you today? Oh, I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for calling um, in today. Sure. Uh, my dad was a Republican, mm-hmm. and my mom was a Repu- uh, Democrat. Okay. So we sort of heard all sides of these, and it did seem like the Republicans were kind of for business, and the Democrats were for the common people. Okay. So it was kind of interesting. We always used to kid them about going and cancel each other's votes out, but I don't think that was very <laughs> true. <laughs> I'll bet dinner conversations were interesting, though. <laughs> But my dad was also a, a CPA, an accountant. Okay. And when we were teenagers and we needed money, he would loan us money, but we had to sign a note. Really? We signed a note with interest and the payments to pay him back. And so we kind of learned about that. And, you know, I think the trouble with our politicians right now is that they're in it not for, the, for us, but to make money. You know, and to give away money. We're, we're so, going to yeah. pay back all this money that they're giving away. And, these, you know, and who, who are they going to and why? <clears throat> because we're not teaching people that when they need it, they make it their own. And they have to pay it back instead well, of these giveaways. And, it, you know, it's just, an, <clears throat> I think, a real bad situation with debt for this country. And it's, I mean, it, yeah. it's the old saying, you know, if it, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And so when you get a stimulus check for $1,200 a person, there's a catch. We don't think there's a catch. Oh, it's just free money from the government. But but you're right. Oh, there's yeah. a catch. <clears throat> well, it's uh, paper money that they just keep printing. I've been over to the, if you've been to, to Washington, D.C., and, and mm-hmm. go to the, the, you know, you see them printing. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think, I think desperately, I think the, the thing that we're in, in trouble with is we're so far in debt. And um, nobody, even teenagers, <clears throat> are not learning that that idea of, you know, uh, supply and demand. And uh, it's going to be a bad, uh, you know, serious thing for them when the realization comes along that they're going to raise taxes or do whatever to pay back what we're giving away. Yeah, imagine paying paying 40 or 50% instead of 20% or so where we're at uh, right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. And, you know, the stimulus is going to some people, and maybe they need it, maybe they don't. But, you know, my concern is business. Because if, if we can't get these small businesses up and not out of, out of business, we're in tr- real trouble. Yep. So, you know, I think to promote that, but, you know, I think the real the realization of supply or, you know, Democrat and Republican is all convoluted. And there is no such thing. I think it's just people in there for power and power. to make money. And, yeah. 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 So right. it's kind of disappointed, but we're, we're happy. I think it's the greatest country in the world without, without a doubt. All right. Thank, thank you, Jan. Great to talk to you today. Let's go to line four. Steve is on the line with us. Steve, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well. Good morning. Morning. I'd like to, like to make two quick points and then uh, on to the current topic. Uh, the first one is if you're new to town and uh, you're looking for a barber, uh, I recommend Mike's Barbershop in Washington. Yeah, I've been there uh, myself. It's, uh, it's a good little shop, uh, locally owned, and good folks there, and they give good haircuts. So It's, it's a little bit old haircut. school, too, Steve. It's old school. You go and have a conversation. You don't just go there and get, get clipped and sent out the door. So, 
Boy, you should have heard the conversation we had yesterday. You're absolutely <laughs> right. The second point is just, and I think Seth uh, uh, touched on this. You know, I, I really appreciate this venue. It's a great opportunity to talk to people. But I would uh, uh, reinforce Seth as, Seth's point. Uh, please leave the caller's microphone open until the conversation's over. Because, you know, we talk about censorship. Well, you know, we, we, we really don't have a conversation. Uh, uh, talking to Terry, uh, just like uh, apparently Seth. I had some follow-up with uh, Terry, but I wasn't able to get it in because Terry just kept talking and talking and talking. And I realize it's rude to interrupt someone, but if I ask you a question and you're not answering the question, it's not rude to say, excuse me, um, I didn't ask you that. I asked you this. And so please leave uh, the caller's mics open until the call's over. All right. I've been, I've been making an effort at that, but I, I will say that, you know, it's, it's an art form. And, and I have to be careful not to give people too long as well. I've had a, a, a caller or two and, and certainly guests uh, filibuster for a while. And Terry's, tell, Terry's really good at that, uh, at filibustering. I, I must be the lawyer in him. He's an attorney. I've never met an attorney that can't do that because they get paid by the word. And so I understand <laughs> that. But but you do have a, a little bit of control over that, and so just uh, just uh, my my opinion. Okay. And then lastly, you know, there's so much about where we are today, and everybody on the on the conversation has touched on bits and pieces. You know, if if I'm on a trail and I've been walking for a while and I realize that I'm lost, what I try to do is retrace my steps until Correct. I get back into a point where I actually okay, this this is familiar, this is good, this is. Well, I think as a country, we need to do that same thing. You know, a lot of callers talked about raising children and, and the point about socialism and, uh, you know, kids come into the world get, being given everything. Well, that's true today. It wasn't true when I was a kid. Um, my parents didn't have a lot of extra money. They actually, um, you know, had regular jobs, and if I wanted something extra, I had to go get it. Yeah. And as I, as I recall, as a kid, I had a paper route. I mowed lawns. I collected pop bottles. Remember when you used to yeah. be able to take pop bottles? Well, kids had to go out, and they had to earn their own extra money. They got fed. They had a bed to sleep in. They had all the basics. But see, today we don't do that anymore, and it's because of the money. It always goes back to the money. Several callers have mentioned this. We are so far in debt right now, I don't know if we can ever get out of it. But the problem is our money. It's been adulterated. It's been... Uh, corrupted, and so today I, I would argue most people can't even tell you what money really is. And so I think we need to retrace our steps. I don't know how far back anyone has to go to do that, but for me, it has to go back when a, a politician actually did honor his uh, his constitutional oath. And um, you know, I think that raising children, parents, is probably the most important job. And yet, how do you learn to be a parent? Mm. From your you parents. Emulate, you emulate yours. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I love my parents, but they weren't the best parents. They let me do things I shouldn't have done. They gave me <laughs> things I shouldn't have. And so we, we need to figure, how do we fix this? Well, it starts with us individually. It starts today. It starts with if you've got children or grandchildren, start paying a lot more attention to them because they're the future. Yeah. Yeah. And They're, so, Andy, I appreciate the time. It's uh, it's always uh, enjoyable to be able to talk on, on your program. Thank you for calling today. Great to talk to you. You got, got uh, Down to about 40 seconds, and I, I have someone that's been on hold a while. Uh, real quickly, what's on your mind, Paula? I was just wondering how I can find out with the painting on the side of the art museum across from the post office, what 
I'm supposed to see when I look at that picture. Uh, do you know anything about it or where I can find out? I don't, but you know what? I will do some research and find out for you. Is that okay? Oh, that'd be wonderful. Okay. Thank you, Paula. Okay. See you this afternoon at Harmon's. Okay. Sounds, tomorrow afternoon. Right. Tomorrow afternoon. Oh, tomorrow. Excuse tomorrow. me. Yes, yep. tomorrow. All right. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Bye. Bye. Allison, thank you for uh, your first uh, go-round as producer in the program. Uh, we're out of time, but uh, you did a great job. Thank you. No big hiccups or anything. Yeah, it so, was fun to talk awesome. to people, too. And we've got to research that, uh, that painting over there across yes, from the post office. definitely. Time now for news.